Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church Texas. Uh, We're on week three of Answering the Call, and today I want to talk about uh, your mind. Uh, The title of my message is Use Your Mind, Don't Lose Your Mind. Use your mind, don't lose your mind. Look at your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. Use your mind. mind. Look at your other neighbor, the one that looks a little bit crazier than the first one, say neighbor. Don't lose your mind. You know, the reality is that you can't live right if you can't think right. That's really good. You can't live right if you don't think right. And, and we, the, one of the biggest battles that I think we face uh, in a lot of different areas, and specifically in answering the call of God on our life, uh, is the battle between our ears, the battle in our mind. Um, and as humans, we tend to talk ourselves uh, out of the call of God. We reason ourselves to settle to something else. Maybe you discount yourself for what you feel like God's called you to be, maybe in the workplace, uh, maybe as a mom or, or a spouse or whatever it is. Um, but we have to deal with these things. You know, if I went around the room, and, and I did this in first service, uh, just do me a favor, raise your hand if you deal with stress on a weekly basis. Now look around, okay? Raise your hand if you deal with anxiety on a weekly basis. So it's a really, uh, it's a real thing. Uh, but God gave you a mind. He wouldn't have given it to you if you didn't need it. But he said this, it's gonna be our main verse for the day. First Corinthians chapter two, verse 16. Paul writes about our minds and he says, but we understand these things for we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. You can look at yourself. I have the mind of Christ. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're thinking about, no matter what kind of stress or pressure you might feel like you have, I have the mind of Christ. He goes on to say in Philippians chapter four, verse six, he says, don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Be anxious for nothing, but instead pray about every single thing. He gives you the spiritual remedy for worry. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. Lord, we just open up our hearts. We open up our spirits, our minds to receive your word. I pray that we leave here better than the way that we came today. Ministering angels, I just loose you now to do work on our behalf. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. I thank you for what you are going to do and say today. In Jesus' name. And if you believe it and receive it, say amen. 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 Thank you, Tiffany. All right, I got a question for y'all. Any Star Wars fans in here? I didn't say Star Trek. Okay, but I said Star Wars. Now, maybe all of them, I don't know how many Star Wars uh, movies there are now. I've kind of lost count. I feel like there's maybe uh, 11 or 12 this last November. Um, Angel won't watch Star Wars with me, by the way. Uh, When we were dating, I put her through a test, and I put on the first one. I put on A New Hope, and it was a Sunday afternoon after church, and I was just so excited. You know, when you're uh, with your, uh, your spouse or maybe you're dating or whatever it is, and you want them to like what you like, but some of you guys have been married long enough to realize that's just not going to happen in a lot of different areas. And I was so excited. We're on the couch. We're getting comfortable. And I turn it on. And, and 10 minutes later, I look left and she's asleep. And that was the last time Angel watched a Star Wars movie. 
10 years ago, okay. Um, but there was a show this last November called The Mandalorian that came out on Disney Plus and uh, there was a meme and it got really uh, popular, but Baby Yoda got really popular. And we're used to Yoda looking kind of old and scruffy and having uh, hair in weird places coming out of his ears and all this other stuff. But Baby Yoda is cute. Uh, we like to watch Baby Yoda and if you're like me, I would anticipate whenever he would lift his hand and I would just wait for it because he's just minding his own business uh, and with the Mandalorian, but whenever he lit his hand, whenever he lit his hand, you know what happens. Things start to move, people start to move, physical objects start to move, and what you're witnessing is mind over matter. And as his mind works, it's a skill that, I, I don't know about you, but I would love to have this skill. If I could just go like this. Um, when I was in Israel, I tried to walk on water. Didn't work. Uh, but, but you try to go like this, and you want to exercise that mind over matter. We want to have a great mental Capacity. When I was 18 years old, I was helping somebody move for one of the last times in my life uh, for a, uh, a friend of mine. Well, she was a friend, and she asked me to move and uh, or to help her move. And I remember she was moving to a third floor apartment in Carrollton, and there was a few of us there. But I specifically remember uh, a guy named Ben, and Ben was a crazy ex-football player. Um, he was really good in high school. He did okay in college, but he thought he was much better. Than he was, you know, the guy kind of sounds like Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. That, that was this guy. Okay. He was talking a real big game and we got to, and did I mention this is August in Texas, it's hundred degrees, sweating everywhere, very uncomfortable and very painful, but we moved the dryer up three floors and then we got to my least favorite part, the washer. And we got to the washer machine. I have no idea why. Okay. I'm not a man of great strength by any means, but they put me on the bottom and Ben's on top. He talked a big game, but he was on top. But I'm on the bottom, and we're going step by step. And I start to complain. I'm like, I start to see like flashes and stars, and I'm wondering, what's going to happen to me? Is this how it ends? And I said, Ben, bro, this hurts. <laughs> this hurts. Let, let's kind of flip, and you, you get the bottom this time. He said, Brandon, bro, pain is mental. I said, what? He said, pain is mental. Tell your pain to go away. I said, bro, it's physical. Like, I feel it everywhere. I feel it in my ankles. I feel it in my legs, my wrists. I didn't know my wrists could feel pain, my pinkies. I don't even know what my fingers are doing right now, but I'm like, but I can feel every part of this, and pain's a real thing, and I can't just use this mind over matter thing like Yoda. And maybe you've noticed, like me, when we're talking about the mind and we're talking about mental capacity, but when you look throughout the world today, there seems to be a mental illness epidemic that, that stretches far and wide and it leads all these victims in its path. Maybe you've noticed that it seems easier for people to lose their minds nowadays. But as I think about that, um, and sometimes it looks like that, but a lot of us are struggle with anxiety or stress or just plain pressure and it all starts here. But when I look at that, I'm wondering what is different now? than 30 years ago? What is different now than 50 years ago, 100 years ago, or all throughout history? And then I reach in my back pocket and I'm wondering if it's this little thing right here. I wonder if this is what's um, brought some of these um, weaknesses to our lives. You know, your phone is a blessing and it is a curse. I remember 10 years ago when I got my first iPhone and I told my dad about it. I'm like, dad, uh, I got an iPhone. You have to get it. I said, it will change your life. 
He said, what? I said, it will change your life. He said, Brandon, you've said that about other things. How is this phone gonna change my life? I said, dad, I was having, I had a Nokia. It was gray and black. It had no color. It was a flip phone. It could break on impact. But now I have an iPhone. Dad, this has maps. You don't need an atlas. You can put your paper atlas away. You don't need that anymore. MapQuest doesn't work. We all know that. You can text, you can call, you can get on the internet. You can download these things called apps. I'm like, dad, you have to get it. So a few weeks later, he got one. He's like, Brandon, this changed my life. I'm like, I know, right? And you look at it and it's a blessing and a curse. But you know, up to it in the last 100 years, Americans never traveled more than 10 miles away from their house. They had nothing to compare their current situation with. They never visited a different country Uh, This past week when we went to Israel and I was kind of dreading that flight, to be honest with you, I'm like, man, it's gonna take forever. Like, I don't sleep well um, if I'm not in my bed. Like, I need my bed, right? I'm not, that's not me, but I was like, it's gonna take forever, but it was easier than I thought it was gonna be. But if I was traveling, if you were traveling uh, overseas a long time ago, that trip would have taken you months. And things have changed now. And you can get on social media, you can get on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is that you use and you can compare yourself to anybody in the world. And you know by now that there's always gonna be somebody prettier than you, holier than you, more successful than you, someone with a better house that has better vacations than you, right? The real uh, reason for Instagram. Uh, There's always going to be somebody that has it better than you. And if I asked you, what do you define yourself by? A lot of us would have the right answer, but our daily practices in our lives tends to point otherwise. We tend, it's very easy to compare ourselves to other people and listen to what other people have to say about us. And listen to maybe negative opinions or judgment or whatever it is and feel like we're not measuring up with how we should be. And the problem is we're identifying ourselves with the wrong thing. You're not supposed, and you already know this, I am here to remind you so that we can do this. We are not supposed to identify ourselves by other people. We are supposed to identify ourselves with what God has said about us. You know, people didn't make you. God made you. Here's another truth. People don't think about you as much as you think they do. They didn't notice your bad hair day last Monday. They didn't notice when you spilled coffee in your pants in an area you wish you didn't put coffee on and you're like, everyone's looking at me right now. No, they're not. But you know who does think about you all the time? God. David said in Psalm 139 that his thoughts about you are like the grains of the seashore. I don't know if you've ever been to the beach or not, but that's a lot of grain. That's a lot of sand. Kind of sounds like a stalker to me. God is thinking about you all the time. God is thinking about you like the boyfriend from you on Netflix. Like he is always thinking about you. He is making plans for you. He wants you to do well. So what if we started identifying ourselves with what he says about us? I feel like we would worry less. I feel like we would stress out less if we realized that we were doing this for an audience of one and not an audience of however many people follow us on social media. 
There's a quote by Shanika Scarborough. She said this, one of the main things about you that the Lord and the devil are fighting over is who gets to identify you? Who gets to identify you? And the answer is, you are who God says you are. That's it. So let's talk about how God made you. You are a three-part being. I gave my wife this quiz yesterday. She aced it like a pro, 100%. I'm gonna let you know. You are a three-part being. You are a spirit. You have a body. And you have a soul. Your soul is three parts, your mind, your will, and your emotions. You are not your body. You are not your emotions. But you are spirit. And your spirit gets to control and dictate the way that you feel, think, all these different things. You know your emotions are not dictated by coffee. You can love people before coffee, right? Coffee is a stimulant. It might help a little bit. Um, But you can make that decision as a spirit being. When you leave the earth, you won't have your body, but you will have your spirit because you are spirit. Today, quickly, I'll talk about three ways to effectively use your mind in answering the call of God on your life. Number one, be a gatekeeper, not a doormat. Be a gatekeeper, not a doormat. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse four through five, Paul says it like this. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension, imagination that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, I'm going to hang on this point, number one, the longest, because I feel like most people, I hope it's not most of us, but most people just get dominated in their thought life. They get dominated. You know, I've heard it said like this. I like to think of it like this, that thoughts thoughts are like birds. You can't control whether they fly over you, but you can control whether it builds a nest on your head. See, if I put... And you would hate this. You would hate me if I did this. If we put your thoughts on the screen behind me and it was like a little ticker, like a news channel ticker, and we got to see everything you're thinking, some of y'all are squirming. You're like, this is a terrible idea. We should not do this. But you know, we all have crazy thoughts, but you are not your thoughts. Your Christianity is not dictated by crazy thoughts that come in your mind unannounced. Thoughts are like birds. But how foolish would it be? Let me tell you, Angel would have had nothing to do with me if I had a bird nest on my head. She'd be like, what are you doing? Like, you're too dumb for me, I'm moving on. (laughs) But that's what we do. We have these crazy thoughts, these immoral thoughts, and we just think, oh, it's in my head, that's me. I'm just gonna let it stay there. You know you don't have to believe every stupid thing that comes in your mind? But you will if you don't question it. You don't have to. Here's how you practice that verse we read. Paul said to take captive every thought that comes to your head and make it obedient to Christ. Meaning your thought doesn't have the decision to be obedient. You make it be obedient. Your thought is a slave. You you make it do what you want to do. When I have crazy thoughts... 
Everybody on earth has crazy thoughts. I say I take that thought captive in the name of Jesus. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deal with that thought. Because I don't wanna be the strange dude with the bird nest on my head, right? You have the opportunity to decide what you think about. That's the spiritual way on how to be a gatekeeper. Effectively, your mind, picture yourself, you are the gatekeeper of your mind. And nothing stays in your mind unless you let it. But most people, they're just the doormat. And they let themselves get walked on and entered in and they don't do anything about it because they don't realize that they have every right decision over what goes on in their mind. Here's the physical way. Pay attention to your body posture. I love it. Some of y'all just kind of screw your shoulders up. You lean back a little. You're like, I'm not going to be seen slouched over. I mean, it's, a no, it's no wonder most people have a hard time with their self-esteem or depressed or, their, or whatever it is when they're hunched over like this for three hours a day. What if you stood up straight, threw your shoulders back, you know your mind, your spirit will listen. It will pay attention to what you are doing. You know, Pastor Joel has a company that a lot of you know of called Winology. And I've been to many keynote speeches with him. I've seen him work with teams, but I love this one speech he does near the end. And it'll be a crowd like this and everybody's paying attention. They're taking notes. But at the end, he'll say, now I want you to stand up like you're the world champ. And these people go from being maybe slashed over, taking notes, however they are, and they start to stand up. Now he says, now throw your shoulders back, put your chest out, put your head up. How do you feel? And the whole mood changes. The atmosphere changes. All because they change their body posture. You know, God is interested in your spirit, but he's also interested in your body and your mind, and he gave you all three. And if you're only working one of them, you're failing. You get a failing grade. You gotta work all three. Man, there's so much stuff I would never say to your face, but once I'm up here, I'm just like, hmm, let me say it. <laughs> Um, I read a lot and, um, best book I've read this year is a book called Presence by Amy Cuddy. And she talks, it's called Presence. She talks about posture. She talks about how your body, uh, or excuse me, how your mental posture is impacted by your body posture. And study after study shows how this works. So much so that I've started doing something that I would have viewed silly. Um, I've gone over it with it with our high school discipleship group. And she talks about how before you enter a, uh, some area that would give you stress, maybe you don't like getting in cars because you got into a car accident recently. Maybe you're going to a job interview or whatever it is that you're about to go to. She says, what, before you go, she says, pay attention to body posture Personal power, that psychological state, comes from having an open stance and not just, if you're hunched over, if your hands are between your legs, if you're hugging yourself, that doesn't feed you in the right way. But if you're open, and she literally says this, and you can take it or leave it, I literally did this at home before I got here today. She says, square up your feet, put your hands on your hip, and just stand up like Superman. 
Stand up like super, uh, superwoman and whatever it is and you just frame yourself and watch what happens. She's got study after study after study after study of what happens to you when you put your body in the right frame. Here's the mental way. The average person has 75,000 thoughts every day. And 91% of them are exactly the same as the day before. You know, it's pretty easy to realize why people stay the same in their relationships, in their career, in their fitness, in their finances, in their relationship with God. You can go all down the line. So here's the question. Do you ever think about what you think about? Do you ever think about what you think about? Because thoughts are like the magnets that are on your refrigerator. And they draw to you what you think about regularly. Your thoughts create a filter in your mind that draws what you think about to you and it also repels what you don't want to think about from you. Your subconscious thoughts are always trying to prove you right. You have a mental filter that works for you or it works against you. This is called an RAS. An RAS stands for this, Reticular Activation System. All it is, scientifically, is it's a bundle of nerves at your brainstem that acts as a, here's our word, gatekeeper, filtering out irrelevant information and allowing only relevant information to enter in. This explains why you could be in a conversation with somebody or a group of people and some people will zone out or those zone in because what you're talking about isn't relating to their filter that they put out in their life. Have you, ever, uh, have you ever bought a new car, maybe a used car, whatever, let's say you got a gold Toyota and you get in your gold Toyota and you start driving around and you feel like nobody has this gold Toyota Camry and you get on the highway, you're driving home, you're like, man, this car smells good, like everything's fresh, it's detailed, I'm loving this. And then you realize, oh wait, there's a gold Toyota over there. Oh, that's nothing. And then you start to notice over and over and over that everybody has your car. And it's not as big of a deal as you thought it was. That is your RAS in motion. Maybe you've started a new business or, or, or you're in a different corporation and somebody three tables over is talking about something and you're, that is in direct alignment with what you are working for. And you need a new client and you might go three tables over because you are filtered toward that. RAS in motion. The opposite is true many times. We focus on what could go wrong in our lives. We might focus on a bad performance. We might focus on messing up yet another relationship. We might worry about how our kids are doing. Whatever it is that you worry about, this is what happens when you keep worrying about the same thing, more problems because it's a magnet. And whatever you're thinking about, whatever you're filtering through is drawing to you. That's why positive people, you know who they like to be around? Positive people. You know who positive people hate to be around? Negative people. Amen, thank you. (laughs) But you can escape this by obsessing over what you do want and not what you don't want. 
simply said, your obsessions will become your possessions. What you obsess about, you will possess. If you are obsessing over getting closer to God, guess what? Eventually, you will be close to God. If you are obsessing over being a better parent and you're reading books, you're asking advice from mentors, you're doing everything you can to then act, do what you're learning about, you will possess what you seek for. You know, last time I spoke a few weeks ago, I talked about how we'd been looking at a specific house for three years. And it was literally in the neighborhood next to ours. And every time we would drive past this house, we would literally tip our cat. And what I mean by tip our cat is there's a man named Conrad Hilton. And you might recognize the last name Hilton. He is the founder and owner of the Hilton Now Worldwide Hotels. But at that time, he was based, started in New York City. And on his way to work, most days during the week, he would pass by the hotel that he wanted. And it was the crown jewel of hotels. It was the Waldorf Astoria in New York City. And every time he would pass by, he'd have his hat on and he would tip his hat because he was believing for that hotel. He wanted that hotel. He was working towards that hotel. 17 years later, in 1948, he owned that hotel. He was obsessed with it. Your obsession will be your possession. You know, you can literally turn your anxiety or whatever you're dealing with into excitement. You know, studies have been shown people that do three things. Whatever you're nervous about, stressed about, tell yourself one of these three things. You can tell yourself to calm down, which ironically never works. You can tell yourself to get excited or you can tell yourself nothing and just, hey, let's see what happens. You know, by a wide margin, those that are anxious and tell themselves to get excited do much, much better after doing so. Because your body doesn't respond by, respond by just saying, hey, calm down. No, you gotta turn it. You gotta, you gotta flip that energy from anxiety to excitement. One more tool that I use, and this is bonus material. You all, you all get this. First service didn't get it. All right. Recall a moment when you personally felt powerful. I don't mean powerful because of a title, but you felt like you were in complete control of your psychological state. You felt like whatever you did, it was going to work. You had full confidence in your true self and you knew your actions to be, would be effective. Take a few moments, think about those times when you were the best version of yourself. It felt good, right? Feels good. You're like, man, I was in the zone that day. I wish I could be like that every single day. Whether you realize it or not, you have been primed to be good. You have been primed to now produce what you have been thinking about. Next time you go into that situation, instead of thinking, man, what could happen? No, start to think about every time it's worked right. And your performance will prove in that. It will improve in what you've been thinking on. Your mind doesn't rule you, but you rule your mind. Why? Because you have the mind of Christ. The second point, realize moments of stress are normal. But living in stress is abnormal. See, those of you in here that work out or maybe you exercise, the whole point of exercising and working out is to add some stress to your life. You don't look forward to it because nobody likes stress, 
But whenever you start working out or running or whatever it is that you do, that momentary stress makes you stronger. See, it's good to have some stress, but it's unhealthy to just live in stress all the time. Orson Welles said this in the third man's speech. He said, in Italy, for 30 years under the leadership of the Borgias, they had warfare, terror, murder, and bloodshed. But they produced Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, and the Renaissance. At the same time, in Switzerland, they had brotherly love. They had 500 years of democracy and peace. And what did they produce? The cuckoo clock. 500 years of peace, and they produced a clock. But in Italy, where they were going through all these hard times, all these great people emerged out of the stress. The key is this, comfort, or excuse me, conflict, not comfort, is the catalyst for growth. You need some conflict in your life. If, you, if all you have is comfort, you're not growing. But also realize that you don't have to carry everything. You know, there's some parts of your life that you just, you just need to give it to Jesus. You just need to throw up your hand and say, Jesus, I'm, I can't carry this on my own. And you know, you were never designed, you were never made to carry everything on your own. If you're carrying everything on your own, you're kind of missing the point of being a believer. And that's that... He'll never leave you or forsake you. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. I love verse 30 in the message. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. You will learn. This isn't a one-time prayer and you're good. He said, you will learn by giving thanks to me to live freely and lightly. You know, every time that you get stressed, maybe a little bit too much or worried, what if you turned it into prayer and you just said, Jesus, I'll give it to you. You said your burden is light. You said your yoke is easy and I receive your peace. You know, we were on this trip in Israel. One of the places that we went to was the Garden of Gethsemane, which is located in Jerusalem. And I didn't realize till this trip how rare or, or how seldom Jesus really went to Jerusalem. He only went there on holy days, festivals. He wasn't there very often. But whenever he went there, he had a favorite place to pray. And his favorite place that he liked to pray was the Garden of Gethsemane. And when you go on this trip, there's actually two trees in the garden that were there when Jesus was praying. And this was his spot. And on the most stressful night of his life, the night before he was crucified. He'd go to the spot and he's stressed out to the point that he's literally crying blood. And I can imagine him on his knees or maybe standing or maybe putting his hands toward heaven and saying, God, I really don't want to do this, but not my will, but your will be done. He didn't say, I give everything, but he said, I know you're with me. I know you're going to walk through me. I know that's what I'm called to do. And he just kept on moving. You know, one of the last things that Jesus said before going to the cross was, my peace I leave you and give you. You know, on Christmas times or maybe birthdays or anniversaries, maybe you give somebody a gift. Do they have to earn that gift? No. Do you hope that they use the gift 
that you've given them and don't just re-gift it to somebody else, of course. But from that point forward, when you give them a gift, all they, it's up to them how much they use it. Jesus said, my peace I give you, my peace I leave you. If you are in peace in your life, that's entirely up to you. It's not up to Jesus. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be in the best spot in your life to live a peaceful life. Because peace is not the absence of chaos. Peace is an internal state of mind that no matter what I'm going through, I know I'm going to make it. I know I'm going to make it because I'm at peace in here. My peace I leave you, peace I give you. The third and final thing, think about the right things. There's this concept called neuroplasticity, which is talking about your brain. And this is what it means. Neuroplasticity, by definition, means that your brain is malleable, it is adaptable, it can literally change based on what you think about. And scientists are finally starting to see the truth of Romans 12, 2 that says you can renew your mind by the washing of the word, by reading your Bible, by faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And what your brain looks is entirely up to you. And for thousands of years, they viewed your brain as a hardwired machine that you could not change. But now they know through the idea of neuroplasticity, that you, what your brain, the health of your brain is entirely up to you. It's entirely up to your thought life. The fact is that the, that the brain is plastic and can actually be changed by the mind, which gives tangible hope to everyone. Whatever we think about the most will grow. That applies to both the positive and the negative ends of the spectrum. You can do your own brain surgery, not literally, but figuratively, and you can start to intervene the thoughts that come into your head by regularly exercising the brain. I'll close with this, and if someone can come play keys, that would be awesome. To close, Paul said this in Philippians chapter four, verse eight, in the message, he said, summing it all up, my friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. You know, the reality is everything that I've been talking about today, it's not some, it's not just stuff that I've read about, but it's stuff that I've personally had to go through. Um, and, and I personally believe that I'm not gonna stand up and talk about something that I haven't had to learn and go through and that I am personally doing. And the reality is, and, and I don't love this about myself, sometimes I feel like the most confident person in the room. And there's other times, and this might be like you or maybe not, that I've felt like the least confident person in the room. And there's been moments in prayer when I've said, God, why? Why do I have to go through this? I feel like I've already gone through this. Like I've already learned. I've already conquered it. And then a year or two passes and I got to go through it again. And I remember one day he spoke to me. He said, Brandon, you, you want to know why? 
He said, I want you to go through this so that you can tell my people how to get through this. And you'll know a whole lot better because you went through it and you'll actually know what works and what doesn't work. That it's a three-part three process. That it is spirit. That it is mind. That it also applies to your body. You know, there's areas of your life, maybe it has nothing to do with this. There might be areas where you really struggle in and you feel like, man, I wish I would have just already conquered this already, but you might be going through something so that you can help somebody through that same thing. And a lot of times in life, and the longer you live, the more you realize this, a lot of times in life, your weaknesses really lead you to your testimony. And it's wild how God turns that into a ministry that you start to help and bring other people up through what you've gone through and you're pulling them up alongside you. And the reality is, you're not just here on earth just to get close to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I could be a whole lot closer to Jesus if I was in heaven and I saw him face to face instead of this long distance relationship. But you're here to help people. You're here to love people. You're here to expand his kingdom. You know, Oaks Church is not about Oaks Church. Oaks Church is about his kingdom. It's about reaching people in the city of McKinney. Oaks Church is in a country club. Are the people we love here? You bet. But we're all about helping people, loving people, people that don't look like us. Maybe they don't act like us. Maybe they don't always agree like us. Maybe they don't always vote like us, but we're called to love people. We're called to help people. And if we're not helping people, then what am I doing with my life? And sometimes helping people will cause you discomfort. Discomfort is not a sign that you're missing. Discomfort is a sign that, hey, you're right where God wants you. There's a verse in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. And I'm not going to quote it exactly. It's not in my notes. But it talks about how if you're a child of God, that you have the victory in life. And that word victory relates to the Roman Colosseum years. And most people never got into the fight. They would bring their ticket, they'd go to the Colosseum, and they would watch the fight happen. But John is saying that once you are a believer, once you are a child of God, that you go from being a ticket holder to now you actually get to play the games. And the reason sometimes life gets uncomfortable after you become a Christian it's because now you're actually playing. Now you're actually targeted. And the devil really wasn't concerned about you, but now you're playing. And it was a month after me starting my internship with Pastor Joel when my health completely failed for years. But it's because now I was a target. Now I was playing. And your comfort... Life isn't about your comfort, but life is about you helping people. And if you're gonna answer the call of God on your life, you've gotta master your mind. You've gotta use your mind and not lose your mind. And once you learn how to use your mind, you can help others do the same. Amen? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you, Lord. We know that with you, we are called to dominate in life. We are called to walk in authority in life. And we know that that doesn't mean everything is perfect now, but we do have you. 
And God, help us to use our minds, to use our bodies, to use our spirit in the way that you have designed us to live. Lord, thank you for your power, for your authority, and for equipping us in life. And we choose this day to follow you, to use our minds as we answer the call of God on our life. In Jesus' name. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.